I would like to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on Jar Jar Wurrung country. We pay our respects to the traditional custodians of this land and acknowledge leaders and elders past, present and future. Thank you. Hello and welcome. You are listening to Soul Care Bendigo's podcast, Naked. I'm your host, Gail Wilson, and together we will go through a series of storytelling, conversations and strategies about leaning into life's lessons, the good, the bad and the downright painful, as we journey back to ourselves and back to our intuition. Through the lens of witness and reflection, we will work our way through a series of raw, stripped-back, relatable topics and personal experiences. There will be laughter, tears and the occasional swear word because, hey, life is too short to hold back. So come along with me on this journey and let's talk life. You can follow and subscribe to Soul Care Bendigo's Naked to get notifications for upcoming episodes as they land in your space. So lend me your ears and your heart as we go through this journey together. Hello, hello, Soulies, and welcome to another episode of Soul Care Bendigo's podcast, Naked. Today, we're going to talk about the freedom of speech. And not as a general topic in the community about saying what the hell you want to say, but as in getting the right words to get your point across so that you are understood and feel seen and heard. Now, I am very well known for having the gift of the gap, and I'm quite a wordsmith when it comes to having conversations and dialogue with people of all standings from anywhere. It's a little bit of multiple things, but probably one of the main reasons that people come to see me at Soul Care Bendigo is because they're trying to figure out how to say what they're trying to say. As in, sometimes it's a matter of they just can't get out what they want to say. And that can come from two things. It can come from that they don't want to hurt the person's feelings. It can come from that they're so boiled up with anger that they don't want to say anything because then they'll say everything. And realizing that not maybe everything needs to be said. For many years in my hairdressing chair, as I've chatted to people and given advice and heard them speak, the number one thing I hear is, I wish I could just carry you around in my pocket. I wish I could just have a little, you know, hands-free unit in my ear that when I go to have these conversations, whether it's with their partners, their children, in the workplace, with their own parents or siblings, that they could just find the words. It's really interesting when I hear people say things like this because it, it comes from a place, well, mostly of good that they don't want to hurt someone else's feelings. But what ends up happening is they don't say their own feelings and they don't say their own needs and wants and desires. And then they end up putting the other person before themselves. What I've learned through talking to many people over all these years of all these different age groups and genders and professions or lack of professions or retired, that I've kind of just heard how people speak. When I do my guidance and my counseling in our workshops or in our spaces, I think the number one thing I can say to people is the reason I can express myself so well is because I really don't mind what you think about what I have to say. Now, it has taken me a little bit to get here. For a long time, I suffered from word dumping. Now, word dumping is a really common trait, particularly in people who were told to shush for a long time. For anyone who was from a large family, from anyone who was shamed during their education years by like cruel teachers, or they just eventually learnt to stop talking. 
And when they did talk, they would talk at such a rapid fire pace to get everything out really, really quickly because their brain automatically thought that they were going to be mocked for what they said or that someone was going to cut them off. So this rapid fire word dumping is almost like a self-survival mechanism. You know, deep down, they know they've got something to say and they want to say it, but they create this really rapid speech that comes from a place of anxiety, knowing that anxiety is for the future because they think in their immediate future, what they have to say is under threat. So they try to get it all out really, 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 really quickly because they're presuming that someone is about to shut them down. Now, I did this for a long time, but particularly if I'm in a really emotional storytelling point of view, because often my emotions haven't really been heard and valued, mainly because I was always the one who was silly and funny that maybe people didn't presume that I had very big feelings or had a bit of a point of view on anything. I was always happy to sort of be the silly one that almost played the mask of being the ditzy one. Little did they know that there was quite a fierce intellect underneath that all, but I used the ditzy mask as a way of like self-protection, that if people thought I was silly, then they wouldn't think anything else because that's just such a jovial, easy to be loved kind of goofy way. And when people come in to chat with me about how do I express myself, Gail, or what's the right language to use when I need to bring up something that I'm feeling? How do I do that without laying blame? Well, I often say the fact that you care is really, really beautiful, that you want to make this a conversation that's about growth and opportunity and potential rather than shaming someone else or blaming someone else or pointing the finger because we know that never, ever works. It never works to play that card. All it does is create people and push them further and further and further apart. Whenever I want to have a conversation that's difficult, and I had to have one recently, when I say it's difficult, what I mean is is that I knew there was a possibility that I was going to hurt someone that I loved very much and hurt their feelings, which to me is awful. I don't, I don't want to do that. But I've equally learned that if I time the conversation right, then it becomes a way forward rather than an accusation. So recently in my life, there was some things that have gone down. I had warned someone about something that I saw was coming and it was ignored. And then something really big and bad happened. Now, I could have, and I wanted to, folks, I wanted to scream, I fucking told you this was going to happen. I told you. I've known it for so long. I could have said that, but I already knew the person was feeling really, 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 really shitty. And that would have done nothing except take them to a deeper, darker place. But I knew that I really needed to speak my truth and I really needed this person to understand that I know you didn't believe me or you didn't want to believe me or you couldn't believe me. It's just language. And yes, we can sometimes feel we're going to hurt someone's feelings. And so that's why it's so important to time what you want to say. If what you need to say comes from a place where you really felt like you were ignored or you really felt you weren't seen, it's always best just to sit on it for just a little bit. Time it until the person can actually hear you, actually feel your words. In the heat of the moment when we're yelling or there's accusations flying, and someone's really angry, or the opposite, they're really sad. You know, maybe they're fucked up. Maybe they've done something really bad. Whether it's your teenager, whether it's your partner, whether it's someone you own a business with, say they're fucked up really bad. 
Now, bringing your point of view or your pointed finger to that situation when a person is sitting in such big feelings is actually so useless. It contributes nothing to the correction because the person is so far away from you. Yeah, they might be standing two feet in front of you, but look deeper. Look at the lack of eye contact. Look at the hunched shoulders if they're sad and they've worn out and they've realized and the penny's dropped and they're like, oh, fuck, I fucked up. Equally, if they're mad, look at the raised shoulders. Look at the tin thrust in the air. Look at the fight mode. These body languages are all massive indications that this person cannot hear your words. They are so far removed from you. So in that moment, if it's anger, you just need to move away. You can say things like, I can see you're really stressed and frustrated. I get it. I'm just going to remove myself from it. I'll be back. Or you come find me when you've calmed down. And that's it. No judgment of their emotions. Even if it's happening on the inside, don't say it on the outside. There are times to get your warrior out. And I'll talk to that in a moment. But there are times just to let it settle and come back to it. Equally, if they're sad or sorrowful, when they realize they've stuffed up, when they're already saying more worse things to themselves than you can possibly say, just sit with it. Change the environment. Ask them, do you want to come and sit out in the sun? It's about that non-judgment. None of us are perfect. And while I'd like to say that we're all trying our best, the reality is we're not all trying our best. Not all the time. Because sometimes we've just got nothing left to give. We're done. We're so done. We're either so done we disconnect and we isolate our feelings and detach ourselves. Or we're so done we're ranting and we're slamming cupboards and we're frustrated and we're angry. But again, I always think of emotions that how far away are you from each other really? Not just in a space where your two feet are touching the ground. Because we've all felt it. I know we all have. Where you're sitting on the same couch with someone but you feel so far away. When at the end of the day you're laying in bed, you could not be further apart if you tried. So realizing again that no one's perfect, realizing that we're still all learning, realizing that we're all adapting to extreme life conditions, the busyness, the hectic, problems, challenges, adversities, and we're not even bringing difficult things in like poverty or hunger. Well, how are we going to pay the bills? So how do we get back to one another? How do we bridge this gap when it's gotten so far away? It comes back to all those happy hormones. It comes back to laughter. It comes back to witnessing, witnessing something that is so much bigger than you that you have to be in awe of it. And you choose awe. You choose it by living in the moment and being reflective of what you're witnessing. Only this morning I was laying in bed at about quarter past six with my youngest. He was snuggled up inside of me. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but I was looking at his ear. I was thinking, God, you made the most unusual shape for hearing. What made you make that like that, Jesus? It is the weirdest looking thing on the side of someone's head, but I know you designed it specifically like that for an actual reason, that it's an imperative part of the process of hearing well and hearing accurately. What a strange divine shape that ear is. And then I looked at his little nose and I just thought how gorgeous and squishy it is knowing that the bones in our face, in our skull, is particularly at the shape of our nose and cartilage, doesn't develop until seven or eight. Now that's because the universe knows that little people fall over all the time. The first thing to hit the ground is their nose. 
So it was made to be squishy, to absorb that impact. And that's incredible. To me, that's fascinating that it knows this, that we've evolved to understand that. So the language of words and when to choose our battles or when to choose our growth. Let's flip it. Not when to choose our battles, when to choose our growth. Realizing that you need to have the conversation when the person can actually hear you deep down in their soul, hear you. Now, sometimes that can be like two days later. It's okay to bring it back up again. It's okay to go, hey, since it's all settled, I really just want to go back to where we were the other day. It was a really shitty place, wasn't it? Ugh, I hate when that happens. But I still need to say this. This is where I was feeling and this is where I was going with it. And you'll often find a person will be able to hear you. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to agree with you. It doesn't mean that they're going to just take it on the chin, but they'll hear you and that'll recreate a moment of reflection for them. But the number one thing is to not lame any blame. It could be something like, I needed to bring this up with you because I just don't want it to sit in my body. And I don't want you to perhaps be making a story about what you thought I was thinking that wasn't even real. Because that's the truth, folks. Often, depending on where we're at in mindset, depending on where we're at in our healing, it depends on where we're at in our personal relationship with ourselves. But they can be making up such a bigger, worse story than what actually was ever going to get said in the first place. But they work so hard to shut you down by being bigger or louder or storming off or to intimidate because their fear of what you are going to say is often worse than what you are even going to say anyway. But again, we're learning with our language now, the importance of language, the power in words, of talking about your own situation. In that moment, I was feeling, rather than, in that moment, you made me. When you shut it down and isolate it like that to the other party, it is instantly going to bring up all sorts of bad emotions for them. Blame, self-loathing, failure, all the bad stuff. And again, they're going to shut down. They just will because they can't hear it. They don't want to hear it. It hurts too much. So when we change it to, this is where I was at. These are the things I was feeling. Now, I am totally aware that I am not for everybody. Not everyone likes me. Not everyone wants to spend time with me. And wow, was that refreshing when I actually became really comfortable with that because it meant that my growth and the opportunities I started saying yes to became massive. When people come and catch me or inbox me over this podcast, they'll say to me, there's so many things that people say that are all incredible and lovely. But they'll say, how do you talk for so long? I don't even have that amount of words in my vocabulary, I don't think. Well, you do. You just haven't got comfortable with them yet. Or they might say, aren't you worried about what people will think? Well, in my moments of getting sucked into the world stuff, I have had a couple of times where I've gone, oh, maybe I shouldn't say that. Or I've sent it to my podcast manager and said, oh, actually, I'm going to edit that one. Maybe it was because I was angry when I said it. So it wasn't a true reflection. It was an emotion. It was a reaction. And that's the difference between reaction and reflection. When you start really unpacking the differences with those and the value in them and the growth potential from them, And when I say growth potential, I mean a new positive way forward because none of us wants to keep doing the hard shit over and over and over again. A reflection gives us a non-judgment, curious way to observe ourselves and our language and our behaviors without judgment. Just a, huh, 
Oh, okay, I went there. Mm, That surprises me. That's all. Nothing more, nothing less. And when people have trouble with their words, often it's because they're really concerned with what people will think about what they have to say or whose feelings they're going to hurt. I am very well known for foot and mouth disease. And I think it's because I'm not easily offended. It's very difficult to offend me, mainly because I just know humans so well, but also because anything that comes out of your mouth is a representation of you, not of me. I get that. I truly believe it. And so when you start living in that world, sometimes you don't always have the same filter as you would as someone who's hyper aware of what people would think of them or super conscious of where their words will go or what they will do or how they can be interpreted. And so I make my words really clear. So there isn't really much damage on how you can interpret them. But then sometimes that comes across as what's called no filter. And that happens because I'm not offended by anything. I just assume no one else will be. Again, I'm learning to have a little bit more diplomacy on the way I speak because I have had something said back to me from someone else's point of view, or even if they just change the tone of what I say. And I'm like, oh shit, that does come across a bit harsh. Oh, sorry about that. Because I'm I'm okay to say sorry about someone else interpreting something from my point of view, but I'm not going to own it. I'm not going to change it. I'm happy to have a conversation about the time. But because of those things, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. And I remember when I was about 14, someone said, oh, honey, not everyone's going to like you. But we go through primary school thinking we want everyone to like us because that's where we see our value in things like popularity and not being the odd one out. So we twist and contort and mask up and do all these things to sort of evolve into this chameleon of a person for fear that someone doesn't like us. And again, the liberation of when someone said, oh, honey, not everyone's going to like you. I was like, yeah, they aren't. And that's okay. And so once I had that liberation of realizing that not everyone's going to like me and that's okay, now I sit so comfortably in that knowledge that it's so refreshing and it gives me permission to be myself, again, mindfully be myself, that if you don't like me, that's cool. If I'm not your cup of tea, that's okay. I'm not taking that personally. I'm not taking that personally. The other thing too with finding the words in the time is I'm actually really comfortable at war. I've got a high moral compass and there are some things that I just won't stand for. They are just an absolute no-no to me. And I'm instilling this in my children. I have one child who's far more forgiving. In fact, sometimes he's forgiven people and let them back into his life. And I wouldn't have because I will watch a certain pattern of repeat behavior and go, "Mm, they're not for me. He's starting to do that as he gets older. But on the other end of the scale, I have someone who, once you fist them off, you're burnt. You ain't getting back in for no love or money. So it's really interesting watching these two people and how they do relationships and how they do friendships and one having a massive group of friends and the other one keeping the group really small and tight. It evolves from year to year, but it's tight. But for my daughter, there's one friend who has stood the test of time. She has a lot of really great girlfriends, but she has one soul sister that she's had since prep. And recently, I think it was last year, I got a phone call after school from her teacher. And the teacher said, oh, Gail, I just wanted to give you a heads up that there was a complaint made about Lily in an incident after school. And I said, oh, really? And she's like, yes, she apparently verbally assaulted a boy. I was like, oh, oh. Now, I know Lily as being a confident young lady 
who has no problems with language. She'll say what she needs to say, but she's not often particularly cruel with it or vindictive or malicious. I do know she's like me though, that if you really push her past her loyalty, past her compassion, it's go town and gloves are off. And I talk to Lily often about her inner warrior. And I say to her, you know, there is ladylike behavior and and that just is a feminine spirit that has manners and guidance and kindness for all. But there is also got to be an inner warrior in every single human. Women haven't always had permission to go there, but I give her full permission that when a few boxes are ticked, it's go town. Now, for those who don't like swearing, I will give you a little swearing warning just here because of what she said. Now, the teacher also knows me, knows my child and said, so Gail, I'm bringing this up because I'm going to have to follow it up. But I also know it's so out of character for her. And I know you'll probably want to have a conversation about this when she gets home. And I was like, yes, thank you for giving her the benefit of the doubt. And thank you for giving us the space to nut this over before you address it with her. And so Lily came home and she was really upset. And um, I just gave again, I chose my timing. She could have walked in the door and I could have said, you're in trouble. You've done this and you've done that. But I didn't because I know her. And I also know that if something happened, it must have been pretty big, which is why she's coming in a bit red-faced and teary. And I just held on to my cup of tea and she sat down and I gave her something to eat. And I said, oh, hon, I got a phone call from Miss Ballard and she looked instantly afraid. And I said, "Um, she said that you verbally assaulted one of the boys and that she understands that that's not normally how you would behave. And so you're not in trouble. We just got to figure out what happened because she will have to have a conversation with you about it because someone has dobbed on you or, you know, made an accusation about her. And I said to her, "Um, I want you to tell me word for word what you said. I really need to know the full story. And she's like, oh, I did swear. And I was like, that's okay. You can tell me exactly what you said. So she was explaining to me that her and her bestie, this soulmate, were walking up the hill to walk back to our house and meet her. She was taking a bus then. And she said there was this boy who my daughter has had a few issues with and I had brought it up to the teacher before and sort of had kind of laid low, but her and her friend were walking up the hill and he was kicking her in the backpack, the friend this is, calling her names, calling her fat, saying she was ugly, saying she was useless, sort of mocking and singing and kicking her in the backpack so she was sort of propelling her forward a little bit. The two girls walked silently ignoring him because that's what we're told just ignore them and they'll go away but I say to Lily they don't always go away honey and that's when you can get your warrior out that's a conversation that I've had with her many times but she said the girls quietly were walking up the hill they didn't look at one another they were just walking up and ignoring him and she said her friend had been a bit quiet through the day and he just kicking her and she'd said go away and he just kept going he's relentless and he just kept saying these words Lily said she looked over at her friend and there was one single tear rolling down her face. And she realized that my friend actually isn't okay with this, but she doesn't, she's got nothing in her to defend herself. And so Lily thought, this is the time. This is one of those times where it's my turn. So when she saw the tear roll down her friend's cheek, the anger in in her was so extreme that she turned around and wheeled on this kid. Now, this is what she said. And please excuse the swear words if you are impartial to them. But she said, hey, fuck face, piss off and leave my friend alone. Go away, you dickhead. 
It's a colourful menagerie of words. I'd like to say she didn't learn them from us, but I do use the word fuckface when I'm driving if someone's being a pain in the ass, especially if they're riding my tail. Now, in an ideal world, none of us would swear. It'd be fine. But she looked at me like she was in big trouble. And I said, and then what happened? And she goes, he was so shocked he ran off. And I was like, congratulations. You chose, in my opinion, the perfect time to get your inner warrior out. He wasn't backing down. He wasn't going away when you're asking him nicely. Your friend was getting upset. There was damage getting done to her. And he needed to get himself accountable. Now, we do have a rule in our house, no kicking in the nuts unless your life is in danger. And I said to Lily, you didn't touch him with your body, did you? You didn't kick him in the nuts or you didn't punch him or push him. And she's like, no, I didn't kick him in the nuts. I wanted to, she said, but I didn't. I just said, hey, fuckface, piss off, stop being such a dickhead. And then he ran and told the teacher and now Lily's the villain. And I said, well, I think you're fantastic. I think that's exactly what your friend need. I think you chose the perfect time to get your warrior out. You didn't put your hands on him. You just stood up flat-footed and said your piece. You stood up for him. And we need girls sticking up to boys at younger ages so that they don't turn into 20-year-olds who feel like they can do that, 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds who can do that. And I said, you have done the best thing I could possibly want for you and your friend. Because, honey, you are going to have to defend. I wish you didn't have to do that. I wish you didn't need to do that. But you need to have the right words that when someone is pushing your buttons, when you've asked nicely and they're not doing it, it's okay to explode. And you did. And I said, and then what did Lily do? She said she just burst out laughing. She burst out laughing at this boy hightailing it down the hill, yelling out to the teacher that was on Yajiri across the road. And I was like, isn't that fascinating that he didn't see anything wrong with his own behavior, but all of a sudden you're the bad guy, you're the villain, and he wants to dob on you. And she's like, I don't know. She said, we just cried up the rest of the street. We cried in relief. We cried for all the things he said. I told my friend that she wasn't fat. I told my friend that she's not stupid. I told my friend that she's not ugly. And then we talked about all the ugly parts of him. And I was like, oh God, what what do you mean? And she said, well, his ugly heart, his ugly words. And I'm like, good girl. And then we just spoke about, you know, the balance of when you're afraid and you're so locked in fear that you can't actually get your words out, which is what her friend, now her friend has got the most sassiest mouth you could possibly know, but she was crippled because he talked to something in her that she already doubted in herself. And this is what a really bad perpetrator will do. It's almost like they have this knowing of your inner fears or your inner worries and they'll be abusive at those inner worries. They'll talk straight to your self-doubt, straight to your self-esteem, and they know it hits hard. Now, to me, it terrifies me that that boy knows how to do that that young. That should be really, really worrying. So her friend was crippled. He went straight to her sore point. She couldn't say any of the things she would normally say. She normally has the best one-liners and comebacks. She had nothing. She was empty. So the power of words, positive, negative, warnings, encouragement, empowerment, the inner warrior is there for a reason. Now, when we choose when to bring it out, it's also so important. If your coffee isn't hot enough at the cafe, it doesn't need your inner warrior. If your food's cold at the cafe, 
that doesn't need your inner warrior. If someone steals your park, there's probably more parks, that really doesn't need your inner warrior. It comes back to what your values are. We've spoken on this a few times, haven't we? Where your values are at will determine what you need to defend in your castle, your castle being your heart, your castle being your values, your castle being your morals. But when we think about what we want to grow, Lily had no intention of growing the friendship with that boy, and that's okay. She doesn't have to. But when we're in a relationship and we speak the way she spoke, that's never going to promote growth. That's never going to create opportunity or abundance. When our back's to the wall, emotionally, physically, mentally, and we're done, you just need to remove yourself, take some breaths. Don't get in the car and drive. Hit your feet on the pavement and walk. Walk, walk, walk. Walk at such a speed that you're so physically exhausted that your body can just give in and surrender. Go home, have a warm shower, make a cuppa, have a big glass of water. If the vibe is still off in the house, you don't need to contribute to that. Just go about doing what you're doing. I think the trickiest part is, especially when we start having teenagers and The more information we can get, the more we take things less personally, the more we feel like we need to react. So if you're having troubles with your teenagers, research what it's like in the teenage brain. Listen to interviews on YouTube. Go and listen to a TED Talk. Then you can have some compassion for the situation someone's at. Now, it doesn't mean you have to tolerate it, but when things are peaceful and calm, which it always comes because we know nothing lasts forever, you can create a rules of the game. In this house, when we get mad and frustrated, it is not appropriate to swear or yell at someone else in this house. It is not appropriate to damage our things. When you're feeling overwhelmed, you have permission to walk out of the house and get some fresh air. So it's about creating a plan together. And this is where words are so powerful. Again, less blame, less judgment, more forward planning, more forward thinking, and realizing when the warrior is appropriate. Again, have that checkbox as well. Have I tried to do this calmly? Is the person not backing down? If this is in a defense mode, someone outside of your family, if this is at a party, if this is in the schoolyard, if this is in a workplace, I would much rather be fired for sticking up for something that was more important in that moment for humanity. There are a million jobs out there. You don't have to put up with it. But make sure you leave saying your piece whether it's calmly and in a proactive way, whether it's you've had to go to your warrior mode, that should be a last resort. It shouldn't be your first resort. And this is where the power of language is so important. So pick your growth, pick your opportunity, allow for time, figure out where you need to go in to defend, but choose it wisely because you can't come back from that. And for me, it's about listening to stories It's that personal confidence that I like who I am. I like what I have to say because I equally love what other people have to say. And I am in no delusion that I know everything. I am fully aware of that. In fact, I actually embrace that. I'm so excited that I don't know everything. There's so much more room for potential there. There's so much more room for growth. There's so much more room for fascinating conversations. And that is awesome. That's what I'm excited about in life. So thank you, Solis. Thank you for listening. I hope this gives you lots of things to reflect on in your life. And remember, if you ever need to go to your warrior phase, 
feel free to use the word fuckface. It's very liberating. (laughs) It's very liberating. And thank you for not judging me, for realizing that these are all part of stories and part of a bigger story. They're all the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle as they are for you, as they are for you, my love. Each story is a part of a bigger picture. It doesn't define you. It's not the final image. It's a portion. Take it as you will. I hope you have a great day. And that's all for today, folks. As always, thank you for letting me your ears and your hearts. I feel so grateful and blessed to be able to share these stories with you and bring us together as a community. This is Gail Wilson, and this is Soul Care Bendigo's podcast, Naked. Don't forget to follow and subscribe so that you get notifications on the next episode as it lands. Take care and just be kind to yourself.